0: Hello there and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 26 verse 55 in just a moment. Now where we left off in our last study is that this little ragtag group of temple guards, not Roman soldiers, not soldiers at all, but these temple guards have come out and have started to take hold on Christ. They've, they've started that Judas has kissed him and betrayed him. And at one point, Peter stretched out and cut the ear off of Malchus, one of the servants. And you can read in Luke chapter 22, verse 51, that Christ actually healed that ear, put it back on him. And then he said, Hey, look, I could call down 12 legions of angels to keep me from this, but the scriptures have to be fulfilled. This has to take place. So that's where we're at. We're going to pick it up in verse 55. Now we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father, in Jesus' name. Matthew 26: verse 55. In that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, "Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves, for to take me? I sat daily with you in the temple, teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. So I, you saw me down there, and, I, and not only was he at the temple, he was teaching at the temple." And they never took a hold on Well, why not? Because that was in the public eye, and they're trying to do all this stuff in the dark. They're trying to be subtle with this because they don't want to make the public mad that they might resent them. Verse 56, But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, where it says, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. That's where he, that's that scripture that was taking place. Verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. So he didn't, he didn't run completely away. He's there, he's at a distance, and you know, he's just checking out what's, gonna, what's going down. Verse 59 Now, the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. And that's a good group of holy folks right there searching out false witness. They can't find any truth against him, so they got to make this stuff up. Verse 60 But found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none at last at the last came two false witnesses now why is it important that there were two false witnesses because in deuteronomy it says that by the voice of one or by the witness of one you can't accuse anybody but by two or three then you can and that's deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15 verse 61 and these two these two false witnesses and said This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. That's not what he said. He said, destroy ye this temple, and I shall raise it in three days. Talking about his body. Verse 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? So you're not going to defend yourself for anything? You, I guess apparently you really said that. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now this, I adjure thee, it means I I put you on your oath. You know, it, it, come on, it, be truthful. Verse 64, like, first of all, like this high priest has the power to put Christ on an oath. Like he's some super dude or something like that verse 64 jesus said unto them thou hast said nevertheless i say unto you hereafter shall you see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven then the high priest rent his clothes saying he hath spoken blasphemy well, that's calling the, that's the pot calling the kettle black right there What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What thank ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Well, they got their way, didn't they? They figured out a way to finagle around and, and cause everybody to get stirred up and want to put him to death. Bringing about Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The enmity between the two seeds, that his heel is about to get bruised. Verse 67, Then did they spit on his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is who is he that smote thee? You know, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be those guys right now because they're sitting up there, you know, you know they're regretting that. Verse 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Now, before we get too hard on Peter for this denial, first of all, you've got to remember Christ told him, you're going to deny me three times. and Christ is not a liar. So these three denials have to come to pass. At the same time, Peter is a very strong man. I mean, let's not forget, he did just lob the ear off of a, of one of the temple guards and So he's a good, a strong swordsman and everything. But what this is, this is an example for us that even the strongest can stumble. Verse 71. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow also was with the the Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by And said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Meaning, his dialect was a little different. You know, here they are in Jerusalem, they're in the city, and Peter's a country boy, so he's kind of, you know, he's sticking out. And the way he dressed and everything, they can tell he's not a city, city folk. Verse 74. Then began him he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, that third denial. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. The thing is, that, as I said, that had to come to pass because Christ said it would be so. And at that point, Peter realized what was going on. Peter realized that Christ knew what was going to happen beforehand and also that he had denied the Messiah. That's why he wept so bitterly. Peter loved Christ. And as I said before, that was, I believe, a test to show us or an example to show us that even the strongest will stumble now and then. Verse 27, when the morning was come, or chapter 27, verse 1, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. There's this a wise and holy counsel again. Verse 2, and when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. You see, they didn't have any authority. They couldn't put folks to death. They had to ask the Romans for permission to do that. They didn't have that power. Verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. Now, Look here, Judas repented and brought again thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now, let's talk about this repentant for just a minute. We'll flip over to uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 8. And also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, this Christ speaking, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. All right, verse 10. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. But unto him that blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven. Now when would that take place? verse 11. "And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers take you no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, or what ye shall say for the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. So the timing of this is during that hour of temptation, when the elector delivered up and is supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them. It is unforgivable to not allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. That's the only unforgivable sin. Everybody wants to really hype up on Judas. Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. So, right here, Judas just repented. Now, again, Christ is not a liar. So, I think... You know, everybody kind of puts it real hard on Judas and everybody comes down, you know, they want to judge him real quick. Oh, well, Judas is in hell. That's not not our position. We're servants. We're supposed to serve God. The moment that we step into that position of judging folks, whether they go to heaven or hell, we're stepping on God's toes. We're getting in his position. And that's not a place you want to be. You don't want to try to sit on that seat. Somebody already tried to do that once. And uh, he got thrown down. His name was Satan, Lucifer. All right. So he he took these 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priest. Verse 4, back here in chapter 27 of Matthew, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that, what is that to us? See thou to that. So what they're saying is, we don't care. Hey, you did it. it it's That's not on us. At the same time, what it's doing here is showing that, hey, he knows he messed up. He knows Christ is innocent. And so this is a loose end right here. All right, verse 5. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, let's jump over to Acts. And t- let's talk about this hanged himself. Acts chapter 1. We're going to go, I'm going to pick up a couple of verses here. Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. This is Peter talking. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Talking about Judas before he betrayed Christ. Verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst. And all his bowels gushed out. Now for someone to fall headlong, which would be be hanged. And their bowels to gush out would mean they had to be split open. It's really, really hard to split yourself open. But as I said over here in verse 4, that, that there's a loose end showing here. Now, you see, these priests couldn't have this man going around repenting and most likely fixing to start telling everybody, hey, whoa, well, no, no, he was innocent. He was innocent. I betrayed him. That's my fault. But... These chief priests and these scribes and these Pharisees, this council of the elders of the people, they paid me to do this. They couldn't have that going around. They had to make it look like they kept their hands clean in this thing. Verse 6, back in Matthew chapter 27. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. It's blood money. They paid for Jesus' betrayal and for his death. You couldn't put that into the temple. Verse 7, And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in, wherefore the field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which is spoken by Jeremy the prophet, that being Jeremiah, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed. Now see, fulfilling prophecy. And for this to, to bury strangers, this would be those who didn't have anything. They were broken, and just, just as a broken piece of pottery. And they would bury them in this field, that price of blood, and the, the symbolism behind that is that they, in, in the flesh they'd be buried in this field, but they'd be whole. They'd be made whole through that blood money because the, that blood would pour out and bring that salvation to mankind that they'd be healed in the spirit. Verse 11, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Well, no, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's not just the King of the Jews. That's one tribe. And Jesus said unto him, "Thou sayest," or "You said it, not me." I, you know, that's he's not yet said that. And when he was accused of the chief priests and anth- and elders, he answered nothing. Now that fulfills also Isaiah chapter fifty-three verse seven. Verse 13, Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things uh, uh, they witness against thee? And he answered them to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now, at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. So it was a custom at the time that during this feast, one of the people's prisoners, they, they could choose Who they wanted to release from prison. And they said or and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, this is an interesting thing, it's Aramaic, and it means son of the Father, lowercase F, not of the Father as in God, but lowercase F. So we kind of see these two seeds here. You've got the Son of God standing next to the Son of the Father of the world let me let me explain, of the world being that as the prince of the air, you know, being that wicked seed. Verse 17, Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? Now see, he probably didn't know, didn't mean to say exactly what he said right there, because what he said was, God, say in, in, if you take Jesus, which is called Christ, that means the, the anointed one, the Messiah, who is God's Savior. And saying that with that title would have only caused the priest and everything to become more envious, to, be, to get more mad about this situation. Verse 18, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. So she's been warned. She knows what's going on. She can see through this, and she's been given this dream or this vision that, hey, he's innocent. Don't, don't mess with this. Verse 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. They're out here, uh, they're just, they're talking it up. And basically, you got this mob mentality going on. And whenever you get a mob together, it don't take much of a spark and all of a sudden you've got a fire ignited and just ignorance is running all over the place. 21. The governor answered, And said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Here again, kind of pouring a little salt on the wound there. They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. What a religious, holy bunch of people right there. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. So, look here, don't blame me for none of this. His blood is not on my hands. Y'all want to kill him? You handle your business but I've got nothing to do with this. Verse 25, Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. I'd hate to put that on, on, uh, on my children right there. We're just going to kill the Messiah right quick, and uh, you know it'll be all right. You just, just blame us for it. But that's that wicked seed speaking, because they're doing the will of their father. Verse 26, then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, it might be that through scourging him, through beating him, maybe he thought that he would pull the heartstrings of these people and that they would release him. Um, possibly that might have been what was going on there. Verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. I see, even they got it wrong right there. He's not King of the Jews. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the ruler of the world, not one little tribe. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. mm And after that, they had mocked him, or after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Now they're going to Calvary or Golgotha, that being the same as Mount Moriah. Verse 32, and as they came out, they found a man uh, of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. He, he'd become weak at this point. He couldn't, it, it was heavy on him, so he needed some help. Verse 33, and when they were come unto a place called Gogotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink now this vinegar mingled with gall, what this was was a basically a, a Roman soldier's wine, and it was a real low grade, pretty much just the the just a real nasty cheap wine and the reason why they would give this to prisoners is to kind of ease the pain a little bit during the crucifixion uh, during that time thirty five and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And what prophet was that? That was David in Psalms 22. And we're going we're to be going there during this. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation, written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Again, they missed it a little bit. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. You know, their jaws would have dropped if he would have just flopped down off that cross right quick and went down there and said, Hey, look, I can I can do this real easy, but I'm choosing not to. 41. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel. There they got it. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. They wouldn't have believed him. They would have said it was some kind of hoax or... Anything else. They would have never believed him. 43. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him. And he said, I am the son of, for he said, I am the son of God. Now, remember that verse right there. That come from the chief priest's mouth. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him. 44. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. That's roughly 12 noon to 3 o'clock. It's definitely not supposed to be dark. Verse 46 And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama shabbatane. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This verse right here causes so much confusion. There's so much around this verse in people not understanding what's going on here and believing that God had to turn his back on Christ. Now let me ask you this. Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. How can he turn his back on himself? So, Let's go to verse 47. Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. He said they didn't understand what he was saying. He was speaking a different language. So now, let's take a trip back to Psalm 22. What was Christ actually doing there? Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalms 22. We're going to go to verse 1. We'll just clear this up right quick because... It's a terrible thing to say that God turned his back on anybody, especially himself. Psalms 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, We just read that. Out of Christ's own mouth. Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring, or for my salvation? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. All right, so that's David talking. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. Thou trusted, They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. They weren't confused, or ashamed, or, or uh, left hanging. But I am a worm. And no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. Now this worm, in Hebrew, is tola, and it's not it's not the usual word for what they would use for worm, but it's the it, what this worm was was used to get scarlet dye. So if you think about what he's saying is, but I'm a worm. I, I, I at this point he's scarlet because of all the blood that's running out of him. Verse seven. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and they shake the head, saying, "Now, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him." Now that was that was the exact words that came from the chief priest, back in verse 43. This prophecy. What is going on is Christ is telling them, "Hey, this prophecy." Of me being crucified is being fulfilled right now but they were too ignorant to notice that verse 9 but thou art he that took me out of the womb now didst make me hope or to trust when I was upon my mother's breast I was cast upon thee from the womb thou art my God from my mother's belly Emmanuel God with us be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help Many bulls have compassed, have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset around me. Now, these are enemies. And one thing about this Bashan, if you remember, there was a king in Bashan that was a hybrid. What do I mean by hybrid? He was one of the, the where the angels came down, and impregnated woman, and he was a giant. He was, they, they were one of the, one of the breeds that were supposed to be taken out, but weren't. The whole cause for the flood, and then there was a second influx after the flood of Noah. And Saul, whenever they came into Canaan, was supposed to drive all of them out, and not just drive them out, but they, there was a ban put on them. They were supposed to kill all of them, but he didn't. What this is saying is the wicked ones' seed are all around me. These chief priests that are fulfilling that prophecy of the enmity between the two are here. Verse 13, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. There you got two false witnesses, a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and I have brought me into the dust of death. For dogs or enemies have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. He's, done, he's been scourged, he's been beaten. He's out there, his skin's ripped up, and he can look, he, he's in bad shape. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog or the enemy. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Or the the unicorns should be the bulls again. Verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye, the seed of Jacob, that is all the tribes of Israel, glorify him. And fear him, all ye, the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be in thee in the great congregation, and I will pay my my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord that seek him. If you seek him, you're going to find him. You seek the truth, you're going to find the truth. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. And they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. A seed that being a remnant. And it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. That being that generation of the fig tree. And they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. Now, in this, that he hath done this, when you take this from the Hebrew and translate it into the Greek, it winds up being, it is finished. So why is that psalm so important? Christ is on the cross, pierced, and he's telling them, look at this and look at this psalm and he quoted the Psalm word for word, telling them, teaching them, still on the cross in in excruciating pain, being crucified, still teaching. My people, look at this. This is what's happening. God didn't turn his back on him. God didn't have to walk away and all this other stuff that gets told and gets taught. But Christ was teaching and trying to show the people this prophecy is being fulfilled in me right now. All right. We'll pick it up there in the next study in uh, verse 48. God bless y'all and have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, EO Box 1467. Tatum, Texas 75691 or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com Thank you and God bless you.